Uh, I want to remind you about something before we get too far into talking about the best choice of the year. I want to remind us, and sometimes we forget this, is that we are responsible for our choices. I want to tell you that every choice you've made, you made the choice, okay? Uh, I'm pointing fingers at you. I'm also pointing fingers at me. All of the bad choices. It's my fault. And before we get into talking about choices and making a right choice uh, at the beginning of the year, we've got to realize that we need to take personal responsibility for where we are right now. So if you would, in a very fun way and very serious way, look at the person beside you and say, you're responsible. You're responsible. Yeah, good. Look at the other side and say, you're responsible. We have to know before the outset of this message that we are responsible for the choices we make. No one makes you make choices. The choices that you make, no one's usually holding a gun to your head to do it, okay? We are where we're at because of the things uh, that that we've made. I am, uh, uh, if I step on a scale and if you do the same, I will tell you it is not your fault that I'm a few pounds heavier than I would like to be. It's my fault. Okay, no one made me eat my mom's Christmas cookies. I did it all on my own, okay? Uh, So we are responsible for our choices. If you make a bad choice, it's your fault alone. Also, if you make a good choice, you are also responsible. And it makes me think as we get started that free will, this ability to choose that God has given us, is a very, very powerful gift from God. Uh, the ability. Can you believe God would let us people make choices? That's kind of scary. I know who I see in like Walmart sometimes and when I go out in public to think that God lets us make choices. It's a scary thing. But we have to realize that we need to steward that gift wisely. The Bible encourages us to walk circumspectly. Now, that means to be cautious when we're making decisions and consider the outcome of our choices. Listen, um, this year, you have full responsibility and full ability to choose the success of your year. Now, I understand you cannot choose your circumstances, But to the degree of a spiritual success, a success with God, you have the ability to choose. The the marriage that you have, the finances that you have to a degree, I would say the the standing of your finances, whether you go deeply in debt or you save money, that's up to you. But the choices that we make this year, I want you to know at the outset that you will determine that success. Uh, One year from now, we'll be looking back and we'll be evaluating how well our year went and the result of that evaluation is based mainly upon the choices you'll make and one of those choices is going to be tonight so what is the one choice that will make the difference between success and failure Uh, tonight I want to show you and I want to give you a very powerful opportunity to make a choice here's something about this best choice of the year. It's a choice that you must decide tonight, and you will. You will also have to make this choice on a daily basis, and you will. You may have already made this choice before, and I promise you that you will make it again, okay? I want to look, Joshua chapter 24, 
And before we get into this, uh, Joshua, I just want to set the stage for where we're at in Joshua 24. There's been a lot of victories, a lot of battles won, a lot of things, and we get to the end of Joshua's life. And, and in verse number one, uh, the Bible says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Uh, Joshua is about to make a speech that will so stir this entire nation to make one choice. It's going to change the course of this nation. Let's see what he says. First, I want to point out that Joshua, he calls them to remember. He calls them to remember. In verse number 2, the Bible says, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. First, he starts to point out in verses one, uh, in verses two and three, that God guides. God guides. Uh, He tells him, listen, you got to remember that God guided Abraham to leave his home, and and God showed him where to go. He left by faith to a place where he didn't know he was going, and God guides. Uh, There in verse number four, he says, I gave unto uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and I gave Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Uh, he's, He's talking about these promised children, and he's reminding them that not only does God guide, but God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to keep his promises. Moves into verse number five. It says, I, I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt. How many of you love the story of the plagues of Egypt? It makes a cool story when you show your kids all the frogs and all the, the locusts and all these things. It's a cool story. Um, but it, it, it teaches them, and he's reminding them that God delivers The people were in Egypt in bondage to slavery. And there is a God, and he's reminding them, you've got a God that guides you. You've got a God that can keep his promises. And you have a God that delivers you from bondage and sets you free. Verse number six, I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came under the Red Sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. Uh, Verse number eight says, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you and I gave them into your hand. We see a God that not only guides, is faithful to keep his promises, delivers, but there is a God, he reminds them, that fights for them. A God that goes before them and defeats their enemies. Look in verse number uh, 9. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand, and you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. I love the story of Jericho. Uh, did any, was anybody blessed by this morning's message at the 11 o'clock service? The idea that God, amen, that's right, the idea that God can use you to do something great, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How's he going to do it? According to his power that works in us. And by the way, it's unto him be glory in the church. 
God wants to use us in the mission of the church. But this tells us that God can do amazing things. Um, I heard a message in college about Jericho, and it was a message where I surrendered to ministry under. And the point of the message was that God will never call you to do anything whereby you can do it on your own. He'll only call you to do something whereby you need God in it. It's impossible for you, but it's possible with God. And Joshua is going through this speech, and he's telling them of all the good things God. He says, remember. He said, remember, God helps you in difficult circumstances. Do you remember those impossible walls of Jericho? They had to walk around, and they had to be quiet. There was no way that they were going to knock those walls down. All they had to do was walk around and look at how big they were. And sometimes we seem like we're doing that. We're walking around these problems, and all we can see is that is a big problem. Well, Joshua is reminding them that we have a God, and there is a God that's bigger than your problems. And remember, he delivers you from those. He took that impossible situation and made it possible. And then look in verse uh, number 12. It says, And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And he said, Listen, you didn't drive out those Amorites. He said, I drove them out. Verse number 13 is a great verse. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. He reminds them lastly that God shows grace and gives good gifts we do not deserve. He goes through this great God, and and the first thing in his speech before he ever gets to that choice, he says, listen, you've got to remember. You've got to remember that there is a God, and he is guiding you. He has guided you. Your whole history, your family, he's guided you. He's always been faithful. He delivers. He fights for you. He's helping you in difficult circumstances, and goodness gracious, he gives you things you don't deserve. You're eating food that you didn't plant. You're living in a place that you didn't build. He said, you're living in a land. And he's, you know, I gave you that land. He tells him to remember. Now let's read in verse number 14. And these are probably the verses you're familiar with. Tells him about this God. And then this is what he says. This is the climax of his speech. Now, therefore... Because there is this great God, and I have told you to remember him, and we have brought to remembrance what he's done. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, let me tell you about this God. There is a great God. There's an awesome God, and he does all this stuff for you. He provides for you and guides for you and everything. He says, now, make a choice. Resolve. He says to resolve. He asked them to make a resolution. It's like he called for a commitment right then and there. Now, if you're familiar with church or if you're not familiar with church, there's this thing that pastors do, okay? They ask questions from the pulpit, and a lot of times they're rhetorical questions, okay? 
Uh, this was not a rhetorical question. Sometimes we get Pastor Tony asked a rhetorical question in here, and that means if you're, if you're churchy and you know about it, you're not supposed to, like, raise your hand when he says a qu- the question. You're not supposed to say, yeah, that's me. You're just supposed to think about it. Uh, and, and sometimes you see that person, you know, they raise their hand, and they weren't supposed to, and they didn't know. Uh, but you know what? In this instance, this is no time for a rhetorical question. This is when he calls them to make a solid resolution Some of them may have already made that choice. Some of them may have already done that before, but he brings them all to remembrance. His last speech, there is a God. You remember him, but you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice of who you're going to choose. Tonight, I'm going to put it this way. What is the best choice of the year? The best choice of the year is that you would choose Jesus. The best choice that you could make this year at the beginning of the year that's going to affect all other choices is the choice of who you are serving. And is it going to be Jesus or not? Okay? Uh, there's a couple things that stood out to me about this, uh, this resolution, this commitment he asked them to make, this choosing. Uh, the first thing I see here is that uh, there was no option not to serve a God. Let me explain that. He didn't say, choose God or just don't do anything. He said, choose the God or choose this other God, but you are going to serve somebody. Okay? He also said that uh, the only thing that stood out to me was he called for a decision right now. Right now. He didn't say, go home and, and pray about it. He said, right now. We've just talked about all the great things that God did. And right now. Because of that, therefore, I'm calling you to choose. But it got me to thinking. And the Bible is clear on this, that everybody is serving somebody. It's it's not that you have a choice just not to serve. You are serving something. The question is, what or who are you serving? In Proverbs 16, verse number 9, the Bible makes it clear that a man's heart deviseth or plans or chooses his way. But the Lord directs his steps. Uh, We have been given a free choice to choose the direction of our heart and of our life. The general way that we're going to go. We choose our way. We plan the way we go. But listen, you can only serve one master. You can only choose one way. So if you choose this way, you are by default not choosing the other one. So if you choose anything other than Jesus, you've, you've not chosen Jesus. You follow me? You can't be divided. Elijah recognized this in 1 Kings, uh, chapter 18, verse 21. Elijah, we remember this, love this one. This is a good one. Are you ready? Do do you love when you see like dramas of the Bible? Love it. This is a church of dramas. It's good. It's not a church of drama. We don't want drama, but we like dramas, okay? Just remember that. Uh, 1 Kings 18, 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. He recognized, listen, you've got to make a choice. It's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be something else or yourself. Jesus said the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. No man, that includes you, that includes women, no man, no person. There isn't one that gets outside of this, no exceptions. No man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one 
and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, or money, okay, things or possessions. Romans chapter 6 explains this a little further. Verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I want to make it clear tonight in the message that you will leave here, and you are currently sitting here, and you are serving somebody. Who is it, is the question that we need to figure out. Who is it? We're all serving somebody. Joshua asked the people to make a choice. He says, will you serve God? Will you serve a real father who guides, delivers, fights for you, helps in difficult circumstances, gives good gifts that we don't deserve? Or will you serve yourself? I heard a great quote. helps me remember things. Only two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. Let me say that again. There are only two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. And you might say, but wait a second, Uh, Chris, didn't it say they were serving other gods? Uh, It didn't talk about serving self. Uh, Realize, uh, and maybe you didn't recognize this, there are no other gods, There is only one. There's only one real God that can really provide, that's really alive, that really delivers you, that can really help you, that really satisfies you, that really brings you joy. There's only one, okay? So these other gods, they are what we would call false gods, the one with the lowercase g. Don't ever write it with a capital G. It's a lowercase g. And just realize there's only one actual, real, live God. The other ones are just lowercase g gods. And uh, it's funny, he even uses some humor in his, uh, in his statement here. Uh, maybe you didn't catch this. Verse 15, uh, he said, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. And here's the funny part. I think it's funny. Uh, he says, uh, that, uh, Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. I think that's funny that he says, Listen, are you going to serve the real God that I just told you did all these great things? Or are you going to serve this uh, God that, oh, by the way, you're living in his land. He can't even protect his own land, okay? Because he's not real, all right? Uh, listen, w- the, there are no other gods. There is one God, and it ends up being that the God that we truly serve is either ourself or it is the Lord Jesus. So who are you serving tonight? I realize that tonight there are two types of people in the room. There are those that have a relationship, a real relationship with the Creator God. I will call these saved people, believers. And there are also people in this room, I would guess that are a room this size, that there is somebody that is an unbeliever. You don't have a real relationship with God. The Bible would say that's unsaved or an unbeliever. Listen, if you're here tonight and you're not sure where you stand with God, I want to ask you tonight, who are you serving? Listen, the Bible teaches that each one of us, when we're born into the world, we are born servants. The Bible says that our relationship with sin is a relationship of servanthood. 
that, that we do the things we do because we have to, because we're bound to them, because our Father is the devil, not God the Father. Everyone is not God's child. Uh, we, God is, uh, or our Father, when we're born in the world, is the devil, and we serve sin. See, we serve these selfish, destructive sins, and the reason we do so is because our heart is longing for some kind of satisfaction, some kind of pleasure, some kind of joy, and we, we, you may go to one thing, whether it's drugs or, or sex or alcohol or just pure selfishness or whatever it is, but it's a sin that you're looking for something that you can only find in God. Listen, I want to call us to remember that there is only one God that gives true satisfaction. There's a God that gives peace. There's a God that cares so deeply about you that he would send his son from heaven to die on a cross that forgave all of your sins. Everything you've ever done, past, present, and future that is wrong, a sin before God, was forgiven by Jesus. He offers us, just like Joshua talked about, something we do not deserve. And that is forgiveness. Tonight, if you're an unbeliever, I would call you to make the choice of choosing Jesus. Choose today to receive the one true God. And the way we do this is by receiving Jesus, the, the Son of God. We receive Jesus and we have a relationship with God the Father. Tonight, will you make the best choice of the year? When I was uh, 12 years old, I uh, received Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was 12. Anyone here 12? 12? 12? Good. 12, yeah. 12 is good. Hey, are you guys paying attention? Can I tell you something funny? This is, this is funny. You guys ever seen these? These are Pokemon cards. I will give these Pokemon cards to whoever's paying attention the best, okay? These might be yours because I found them on the bathroom floor. We'll continue with the message. All right, that's how you get their attention, okay? Um, listen, when I was 12 years old, I received Christ as Savior. I prayed and asked Jesus to save me in a pastor's office. He had a great policy. He said, anybody that comes into my office, here's what I want to tell them. And this is how he would share the gospel. He said, I want to tell every person, everyone that comes in my office, how they can know for sure they're going to heaven. And he shared with me about Jesus, and I knew I was a sinner. I did a lot of bad things. Even at 12, I knew... I had sinned, and there was something wrong between me and God. And I realized that day was my sin. I asked Christ to forgive me, and I was saved. Okay? Um, I began a new life with God as my Father. And I will tell you that as I look back over the years, since I was 12, even as I look back over just this last year, 2015, much more recently, I can see that I know the God that Joshua explained. God guides it is beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a real God that really guides you. So many people are wondering what it is I'm supposed to do. Where, where am I supposed to go? What decision am I supposed to make? And realize if you're serving the one true God, that God will guide you. He wants to guide you. And I know that God guides. I've realized over the past year and, and since I've trusted Christ that God, just like Joshua explained, that there's a God that is faithful to keep his promises. Uh, I have known scriptures that I have prayed and we have prayed for things that God has led us to pray for and he has provided. And he has been faithful to do what he said he's going to do. I will tell you there is a God that truly delivers. He talked about how they were delivered from Egypt, from bondage to freedom. I want to tell you 
that making the best choice of the year yokes you up with the only one, the one true God, that if you have a sin in your life or you have something that has got you bound, it's the only one that can take you from bondage to freedom. I want to tell you, I've experienced that. I've experienced a God that can take me from a sin that has got me and let me go and give me freedom. Just like Joshua said, I've seen God fight for me. I've seen God help me in difficult circumstances. Uh, Those things that seem impossible become possible. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt the fact that I have nice clothes to wear, a car to drive, a place with heat, and a lot of cool electronics, and a really cool family that loves me, that I give a lot of things that I do not deserve. And I have salvation, and I have forgiveness. Can I tell you, there is a real God that we must remember. And tonight, I am calling you. I am asking you, as Joshua did, to consider who or what is your God, and will you choose Jesus this year? How do we know what is our God? How do we know who is our God? The Bible uh, we read in Romans, it explained it very clearly. Our God is the one that we obey. Our God is the one that we yield our decisions to and our life to. Our God is the one that controls us, the one that's most important to us. Many times we, uh, we get sidetracked. That's the problem with Christians. We've already chosen Jesus as our Savior, but over time we get distracted by other gods, other things that have our hearts, other pursuits that take us away from what God's pursuits are that we should be following. So what do we do when we find ourselves sidetracked? What do we do when our dreams uh, overtake in our minds our consideration of God's dreams or our goals overshadow what God's goals are for us? What do we do? And this is lastly here in, here in this speech. Uh, it is simply to repent. Simply to repent. See, that's a very serious Bible word. It is a very serious Bible word. And the matter of the direction of your heart to God is of utmost importance. It's very serious to him. If you live each day just kind of disregarding him, living for other things, or if you serve him with your whole heart. Uh, and Joshua, he, uh, let's continue in verse number 16. Uh, so he, he puts out this call to make a resolution to choose you this day, choose to serve God. And the people answered, verse 16, and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Hey, amen, that's a great thing. Listen, we're not going to serve other gods. For the Lord, uh, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight. They said, we recognize. Yeah, it was God that did that. Uh, let's look in verse number 18. And the Lord drave out from, us, uh, from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwell in the land. Therefore, we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. I want to pause. I feel like God's asking me to say this. Um, do you know that Joshua, he made a stand without anybody else? It's called leadership. It's called, uh, it's called what, what it's biblical leadership is that when no one else was standing to make a decision, he said, I will serve the Lord. He said, listen, you do what you want to do, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And I want to recognize that one person that stood up and said, I will other people watched, and they said they will too. 
And, it's, and this is how the Bible works, and, and that is why it's great that we have a pastor that leads us. Uh, it's because we need people, and people need us to lead. There are ministries, there are groups, there are situations in this church and in this life where we need leaders. We need people that will say, hey, it's a tough job, it's hard, but you know what? I will. And, and other people will follow that. Look in verse number 19. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord. What? Would you, uh, uh, Joshua, we're going to serve God too. You can't serve God. Look at what he says. He says, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. Uh, Joshua, what's happening here is these people, they've decided to serve God, but there's something still in between God and them. There's something that they must do. If they find they, they found themselves off track, but what is it that is, he's going to say that they need to do? Verse number uh, 22. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. What are we to do when we find ourselves that we are seriously serving money? We cannot serve God and money. Our, our career goals and our financial goals have totally eclipsed God's call in our life. Sometimes we totally get off what God wants us to do because we're doing what we want to do. Why in the world would we do what God wants us to do, right? But when we come to the point where I need to get back, where I realize every day I'm making my own decisions, I'm not making God's decisions, I'm not letting him work through me. What do we do? And it's found in verse 23. He said, number one, put away strange gods. Put away. Joe could probably, Pastor Joe could help me with this Hebrew here. All I know is a definition. I cannot pronounce the word. But it has the idea to behead. Whoa, that's serious. Listen, when there is something that is drawing your affection and your attention from the one true God, there is nothing that is more right to do than to cut it off, than to get rid of it. There's no time. I remember the apostle Paul that when God called him, he said he conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, listen, I'm not even going to ask anybody. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do what God is asking me to do. And sometimes we just need to say right now, not tomorrow. Uh, some of us are uh, living on a special place. It's called Someday Isle. It's a great place where everything happens tomorrow. Someday I'll do that. Someday I'll do this. Uh, someday I'll is somewhere we need to leave, okay? Uh, someday I'll. We need to today cut it off. Listen, we need to make decisions. Uh, this put away means to behead. It means to remove, to turn away, to avoid. So the question is, who today are we submitting to? God's will or our will? Are you willing today to put away strange God? That means to humble yourself and give the leadership of your life back to God. Strange gods, what is that? Strange gods today takes on many, many forms. It's different for different people. Uh, you know your temptation. You know what gets your heart outside of God. 
strange gods. Sometimes we can serve our desires and our laziness trumps what God is asking of us. Uh, sometimes what we want people to think of us, like popularity or having uh, certain friends and keeping them, or uh, one that I struggle with is fear of men's opinions. Uh, many times, just the thought of what somebody else would think of us keeps us from doing what God is asking us to do. We need to make the best choice of the year, daily and tonight, and that is to choose to serve God instead of these things, to choose Jesus. Uh, whether it's drugs, a substance, alcohol, uh, the dreams that you have for, for your career, all of these things can be strange gods. Uh, whether it's a sin in your life, um, something that I would tell you, it's this word to put away means to behead. Listen, remember this, beginning of the year, do not plan to fight a temptation when you can eliminate the temptation. The Bible says that we're not to make provision, not to make a, a way for our flesh to sin, not to make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. There are some things that you want to do, and you know you're going to want to do it, and you know you're going to have the opportunity to do it. And if you know that tomorrow you're going to have the opportunity to do it, whether it's something where, hey, if, I, uh, I'm, if I'm alone in this situation, I'm going to do this, or if I'm with this person, I'm going to do this. Listen, God never said fight the temptation. He said to run from it. And you know what? If you know there's something, something that's keeping you from what God wants for you, and you can eliminate it by avoiding that situation, you need to avoid it, okay? Never fight a temptation that you can eliminate. Put away strange gods. And then the second part of this, once we've said, you know what, I'm no longer serving those things that has not got an influence on me, I've beheaded it, I've removed it, I've turned away from that thing, I've, I'm avoiding that thing, he said to incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Incline your heart the word incline means to extend, means to turn or redirect. Each of our hearts has kind of a switch, okay? Has a little bit of a switch, okay? Just think of it this way. Your heart at any given moment, this choosing Jesus is, is really a, uh, when you're saved, is a walking in the Spirit. It's a moment by moment. It's a choose you this day, is what he said. This day, every day, every moment, you've got to choose who you're serving. You've got to say, I'm going to choose. A man's heart uh, deviseth his way, and the Lord directs his steps. You can choose the direction of your heart. You can get up in the morning and say, you know what, God? I am surrendered to you. I'm going to choose today to serve you, and you're going to flip your heart in the direction of God, away from the strange gods. And you, That's inclining your heart into the Lord. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 2, tells us to set your affection on things above. It has the idea of setting the thermostat, okay? You get to choose where your affection, your love, and your care is set. You choose that. Uh, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Matthew six thirty three, Jesus says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Um, today, we have done a little remembering, okay? Uh, I hope that you have taken time to look back over your life if you're a Christian and realize that there is a God that guides you. There's a God that gives you things you don't deserve. There is this great God that Joshua talked about. And tonight, I want to call you as we have invitation time. I want to call you to choose. You can choose in whatever way you see fit. You can stay in your seat. You can come forward however you see fit. But I'm going to call you, and you have to choose because if you choose not 
to choose Jesus, you're obviously choosing something else. Uh, it's one of these things where we're kind of obligated just by what our actions do and how we, how we handle this, that we are already choosing something. So I encourage you to resolve and make the best choice of the year. And you know, I, I, I can confidently call it that because choosing Jesus, it affects every other choice. That's what it said. We, God doesn't say, do all this other stuff and then seek me. He said, no, no, no. Put me first. Put me in my spot. Seek me first and all those other things. I'll take care of those other things. You've got one priority, one choice. Choose Jesus.